Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. This is your March, what is it, the 2nd of uh, 2018th edition. We're kind of cruising right through, uh, I, 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 it looks kind of like the end of winter, but it's not exactly. You know, the weather will move. You know, we had a bunch, we had a string of 50-degree uh, days here in Chicago, and, of course, you know, white folks were out in shorts jogging and stuff like that. Hope they didn't get pneumonia. But, um, you know, the East Coast is getting rocked. Um, I guess, I'm not sure what else the rest of the country is is, uh, is experiencing. Um, I, we've been off for a couple of weeks. I was away in Boston at Boston 55, the Boston uh, Sci-Fi Conference. And I... Uh, I moderated a few discussions. I participated in a few. Had a good time, but you know they are real serious about weather out there. We were supposed to get uh, the weather said four to eight inches on the Sunday I was supposed to fly back, and so Logan Airport canceled just about all the flights I could take back that Sunday night. So I had to stay an extra day. Hadn't planned for it. Hadn't budgeted for it. But um, they made an accommodation, which was nice, and uh, got home here in Chicago. It was 50 and raining. So after Logan shutting itself down, or at least cutting back, oh, of of the four to eight inches they expected, there were two inches. Anyway, let's get to our guest uh, tonight. Our special guest is Gene Willoughby the second. Did I pronounce your name right? It is Gene. Yes. yes it is. <laughs> I I love doing that stupid ass joke. Um anyway, <laughs> and and uh you know, Gene is um well he's a teacher, he's a writer, he's an artist, he has uh he has a book out. Um we'll talk about that. Is that your only book, Gene? Because I looked and I couldn't find any more. Yes, that's my first novel. Okay, cool. All right, so he's got one novel, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, Gene, where are you coming to us from? What part of the country? I'm coming from North Carolina, Goldsboro. And and how's your weather? Um, very windy today. Um, I think we're getting some, I guess, uh, residue from uh, whatever's hitting up north. Um, oh, but, yeah. Uh, it had been warm, uh, about 80 degrees for the last few days, and we had, we had a tornado scare in the area yesterday, and uh, we got a lot of wind today. And, and uh, I mean, I guess that 80 degrees is tough to take in uh, February and March, huh? <laughs> it, it, it is. And, and in my in my classroom, they haven't even turned on the air conditioning yet because, you know, of course, it's not time for it. And, you know, it was it was pretty hot a couple afternoons. Can you open the windows? Yeah, yeah, we can, but, you know. Yeah, course, no, what? I know when it's hot outside, yeah. That's right. In, yeah, you, in Chicago, you cool uh, 
Yeah, when I came up through elementary and high school in Chicago, the high school was air-conditioned because it was built, well, my incoming freshman class was the first class there, so that was like 1999. But we we just had windows in elementary school, and, you know, however hot it got, it got hot. You know, that's what yeah, had to put up with it. Yeah. And and so uh, now are you a transplant? Are you a native? Uh, how long have you been there? Um. I'm a native to North Carolina. I haven't always lived in Goldsboro. I, I come from a town called Farmville, North Carolina, but um, I moved up to Goldsboro um, after college, and um, and I've been here. I've been here ever since. And and so you know, you're you're a writer, you're an artist, and it, the teacher part I can get because I think you know, especially when you're starting out, you have right. to have a job in order to pay the bills. You know, um, right. But, but as far as being a writer and and an artist, um, you know, everyone I interview who does who, who is a graphic artist of some sort, you know, they they go, well, I picked up crayons when I was two or three and never put them down, or you know, they they continue their kind of like their art career from from very very early on. I mean, was that the same as with you? That that is pretty much the story. Um, I've been I've been drawing ever since I can remember. Um, I can't remember a time when I didn't. Um, right. I went to uh, went to East Carolina University and and got into the art program and 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 like a lot of people, you know, you go to college and you don't really know exactly what it is you want to do. So I tried a lot of different things and ended up not in the art program anymore and doing English. But at the same time that I was doing English, I was still drawing, you know, so I, I never stopped that. Um, right. And once I, got, once I got ready to write the book, you know, I, I started, you know, I was still drawing the characters. And so I made that, I just made that a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and as a teacher, what grade do you teach or grades? Um, right now I teach eighth grade. I have taught um, anywhere from sixth through twelfth um, in my career, but um Right now, um, I've been teaching eighth grade for about four years now. And and do you like that? Is that your choice, or did they assign you that? Um, the grade level. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, eighth grade is what I asked for. Um, once I um, I targeted a middle school that I wanted to that I wanted to try teaching, and um, um, I really wanted eighth grade. I think you know I do better with um, the older kids, and so. The, the closest to high school that I could get, that's kind of what I wanted. And, you know, I tend to do kind of well with that. Well, that, yeah, that was that was kind of like what I was getting at. I was wondering, you know, was this was this an age group that you liked or, you know, sometimes they just put you where they put you, you know, and, and even sometimes because of your degrees or whatever. And, and, and so what is it about that age group that kind of, you know, sparks your, your, your interest? Hello? Gene? Yes, number four, can you hear me? Oh, I think we lost Gene. I don't know what happened. He's still on the line, but um, 
again, Jarvis is asking, yes, uh, the guests can hear me, so I'm not sure what the deal is. Um, Dean, if you can hear me, why don't you try? Uh, are I'm you, are I'm you back? I'm back. What did you I'm do? Back. I, I don't know what happened. Um, okay. I, th- I think right. I was asking. There was a question about the age group. Yeah, I was asking you. You know what? What is it about that age of student that you really like? Um, I think it's the um, the conversations that you're able to have with those students. I you know I always like to you know appeal to you know students' logic and and, and you know give them higher order thinking questions and you know allow them to discuss and you know I give some of my ideas and they give back and and it's just easier to do that with. Um, the older kids, they're they're ready to discuss. Um, they have they have some writing under their belt, and and so you can kind of build on that. And you're not doing a lot of um, basic things. You're able to kind of take them um, more into your world as an adult a little bit. Well, yeah, they tend they tend to be able to think a little more abstractly than than kids younger than them. Um, That's right. And and that that probably makes them a more interesting group, I would imagine. Um, and, and so, you know, you mentioned earlier, or we mentioned that you do have uh, a no- your first novel out. And I'm yes. wondering, did you hear that novel for a certain age group? Or, or what were you thinking when you actually, yeah, that's, that's a good question. What were you thinking when you decided to sit down and write? What was it that kind of tipped it in for you? Um, I've had a, a superhero universe in my head for forever. Um, okay. And, and so, and so that's, that's part of it. Um, so when I went to, um, full sale and started working on my, my thesis, um, it ended up being a, um, a four issue comic book script. And, okay. um, I really liked it when I got done and, I also have been wanting to write a novel series, and so once I graduated, instead of starting something, a project that was totally new, I said, well, why don't you take that four-issue comic book script that that was already a finished story, had a beginning, middle, and end, uh, why don't you take that that you wrote and and turn it into a novel format? And so what that took was... um, I had to, of course, add some some more material because it was it was a bare bones story, you know, pretty much because I had to try to fit it into four issues, um, and so I ended up, you know, being able to do a little bit more characterization, um, really flesh a lot of characters out in the book, um, and go beyond what was actually in the script. But the story kind of remained the same as far as the basic things that happened. But I was able to add a little bit more um, by adding more chapters and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, let's let's talk about your writing acumen. I mean, were you, you know, as a teacher, you obviously have the basics of um, grammar, spell, you know, all of that. What about right. the specifics of, of writing a story or, or even, you know, stretching it out from a whole novel? Did you have any kind of previous experience or training in that area, or was this something that you just academically decided to tackle um a little bit of both um when i was when i was in college i took a lot of um writing classes 
um, one short story class that I, I took in particular kind of kind of informed a lot of what I did. Um, I read a lot, um, so, you know, I take things from here and there as far as different styles that I like. Um, also, um, there, there were a lot of, um, even though I was doing a comic book script um, for my thesis, um, a lot of the classes I took um, for that master's degree program really taught you how to structure a story. And I tell people all the time, that's the one thing I learned in that program was how to structure a story because they, they really hammer that home because that's pretty much the basis for everything you do, whether it's a video game, um, a comic, a novel, a movie, script, animation, or whatever. Um, whatever you're doing, you have to be able to structure that story in a way that, that people are going to really respond to it. So um, I use kind of all of that and also just, my ideas of what I would like to read if I was going to go to a bookstore and actually pull a book off the shelf and get into it. Mm-hmm. And and when you were growing up, I mean, like, what kind of books did you read? Like, for me, because my dad was a science fiction nut, I got to read just about everything from the golden age of science fiction, you know, uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Um, how about you? Since I mean, you're an avid reader. What What was it when you were growing up that captured your interest? Um, the first book that I can remember that really that really grabbed me was The Hobbit. That was that was the one where, you know, you know, most kids growing up, you see these big books and you, you say, Well, I'll never finish that one. That was the first one that I really finished and enjoyed it so much that I kept going back to it. Um we had a um a, st- a store in, in Greenville, North Carolina, we used to call it the Book Trader, but it's called um, Nostalgia Newsstand, and they had all kinds of just old novels in there. And you know, you could go in there and get, you know, I remember pulling a lot of Conan and things like that. Um, just, just very old, you know, books that you know most of your kid, most of your peers weren't reading at the time, but um, they got my attention because of just the types of stories. You know, you couldn't get anywhere else. So, I mean, that's kind of cool that you were in that reading book. Now, did, did television or movies also influence, you know, your kind of, your recreational viewing, yeah, viewing as opposed to reading? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Empire Strikes Back is the first movie that I ever remember going to. Um, my parents took me to that Um my mom came and got me out of school one day and took me to see Return of the Jedi. So, so right. that, those those are big memories for me, you know. So, you know, movies have always been a huge thing. And I think, you know, if I, you know, if I was able to really, you know, psychoanalyze myself, you know, I think, you know, the structures, you know, that I use in writing is probably, you know, come a lot from the movies because. You know, I was a guy that if I really liked the movie, I would watch it over and over and over. And a lot of those beats are, you know, just kind of in my head. Sure. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, And then, although, you know, I'm sitting here going, wow, his first movie was a Star Wars flick. And then I'm thinking of mine. Mine was, well, at least it wasn't black and white. We'll just say I'm not quite that old. And it, and it did have sound. So it wasn't, it wasn't a silent movie. But, right. um Okay, and and so, and and science fiction, you know that that kind of tripped your trigger because of 
what the possibilities, the imagination. And, and the reason why I ask is because, you know, that, that goes to why you would continue and then go ahead and write something in the same genre. What right. was it about science fiction that tripped your trigger? World building. I mean, that's, that, that, is, that is something that gets me every time. I mean, even to, you know, even when you look at, you know, interviews with other writers and creators and they start um, showing, you know, process sketches and um, notes that they've written, you know, pages where they've done sketches of buildings and things and all the different notes where you, you know, talk about what this is going to be and what what that's going to be, that, that always gets me. I can, you know, I can look at and read those types of things, you know, for for hours because I just love the process of, of building a world and making it seem like it could exist. And and what, you know, did you, it sounds to me like this is, this is a talent or this is a, yeah, I guess this is a talent that you kind of picked up naturally, you know, not so much, that, you know, that you had some regimented classes about world building or things like that. Did, does the process come fairly naturally to you? Um, I, th- I think so. Actually, um, I was a kid. You know, my my brother and I, we we go outside and and just like you know pretend we were making our own movies. You know, we had, you know, we didn't have the lightsaber toys that the kids have now. You know, we had plastic baseball bats, and you know, we we go outside and and just play for hours. And and it comes from that. You know, even even inside playing with um, action figures. You know, I realized last year just you know talking to someone i was just telling them you know you know we were writing back then we just weren't putting it on paper you know we would we would come up with these right. stories and, you know gi joe you know master of the universe all this kind of stuff you know so we were creating stuff back then but it was play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but it, it it still obviously was something that was important to you something that you know meant something to you otherwise you would have chosen you know cowboys and indians or uh <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I don't even know what else there is. I mean, for me, what did we do? Well, we had uh, we had like w- some war type games, and we had you know a tag game called Contamination, which usually started out with somebody digging up some cat poop in the in the sandbox, and of course they were contaminated. And you you know we ran all over the neighborhood keep trying to keep whoever was contaminated from touching your skin that you would be, and um we, and then. Back then, we also had really cool guns, toy guns to play with, uh-huh. which I guess facilitated that. You know, uh, the man from Uncle Guns and Maxwell Smart Guns and, oh, wow. you know, just kind okay. of cool stuff like that. Yeah, I, I know, I know, well, I'm I dating even, myself. I didn't, even, I didn't even know Maxwell Smart had merchandise. I I used to watch the show on, um, on Nick at Night. I didn't realize that was a... Um, Hey, well, they had. They, I, I seem to remember what looked like a transistor radio, and then you hit the button, and the stock of the gun came out, and the the barrel. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't a Maxwell Smart gun, but I don't. It, it, I don't remember that being a Man from Uncle gun because Man from Uncle had two guns. They had a a pistol that you added accessories to, you know, like a stock and a longer barrel. And then wow. they had the thrush, the thrush rifle, you know, with the big red thing on the front. Okay. Um, and, but, but, you know, the the kinds of toys that I really dug were, 
I liked, you know, Matt Mason. Did you ever hear of that? No, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, Matt, Matt Mason was an action figure, kind of like G.I. Joe, but smaller. And then we okay. all got sucked in because they advertised Matt Mason having a backpack. And we thought it was a real backpack and didn't know that you had to have strings attached to it until it came in the mail. And, you know, we were disappointed. <laughs> but, right. Uh, but, but you know, the, the toys helped a lot. But I think back then we just had better imaginations, a lot, a lot more to think about. True. And, and I'm thinking about, like, my TV shows. Um, well, we had uh, Star Trek. We had Man from U.N.C.L.E. We had Mission Impossible. We had, oh, a little bit later, we had Space 1999. And, um, you know, just a myriad of different kinds of... Oh, and, and on our public television channel, we had Doctor Who and I think Blake 7 and a bunch of other kinds of you know, sci-fi shows that weren't on regular TV here in the States. So that I think that, that fueled my continuation into science fiction. I read science fiction seriously, like, you know, a couple books a week through okay. my entire, you know, teen years into college. And then I only took one writing class in college, and I came to writing really, really late. Um, when When you... I mean, I know you did the art, you know, since you picked up crayons and what have you. But right. what about the writing thing? You did the imagination with your, you said your brother, right? Right. And, but did, did, when did you start putting things down on paper? I'm a little curious um, about that. Well, I was, I, I can remember doing, I was doing some comics around fourth grade. Uh-huh. Um, then I did, I was doing, um, because of, you know, image um, image comics was pretty big in the 90s. I was doing some comics in high school. Um, I also did I also did a couple of short stories in high school. Uh, when I got to college, um, I did not write again until I got out of the art program and I took a screenwriting course. Okay. And, and when I, I took that screenwriting course, that there was something about that class that really that really hit me um and it part of our project was we had to write act act one of a script and when i got done with it my professor you know he really he really liked it and he talked to me and and it's kind of, it was one of those defining moments because the things they said to me let me know okay you've got a you got a gift you got a talent for this and you know it was not something I thought I was good at. It was just something I always did because I just liked it. You know, it's not something that I walked around saying, hey, I'm good at writing. It was just, sure. it, it's just something that I enjoy doing. And so, you know, when the professor really, you know, sat me down and let me know that, you know, your your act one is, is, is very good. And you, you know, even without a lot of coaching, I ended it the way that, you know, it's generally done in movies. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, yeah, and you know he was very impressed with that, and so leaving that course kind of let me, you know, let me see. Okay, well, th- let me try some more things, and so I, from that point on, you know, I've just been writing. And I mean, so that's kind of cool that you had, you know, you you already had some some nascent skills, you know, at that age, um, and then from there on, with that kind of encouragement. 
What did it lead you to do next? Were you putting those stories together? Were you building those worlds? Um, what, what was what was kind of like the evolution of your, I guess your your creativity? Um, I guess I keep a lot of notebooks, um, and I, okay. I still I still got some notebooks that I've, I've had since college. Matter of fact, and and they're they're full of characters, character bios, um, ideas for stories, um, ideas for short stories or collections of short stories. They're just full of ideas. Um, you know, some pages with just you know just character names on them, things like that. I've always done that. Um, even when I worked retail jobs, I keep the I keep the notebook stashed behind the counter, you know, the register. And when it got slow, you know, I just pull it out, you know, and probably wasn't supposed to be doing it, but you know, I you know I'd sit there and just jot things down as they came to me, you know, and that's that's just what I've always done. And so when it came when it came to write a story, when it came time to write something, you know, I've always had stuff to pull from, and you know. Writer's block has, you know, has never really been an issue for me because I'm always going to the notebook. You know, some days I don't have a new idea, but I got a thousand old ones. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, so, right. Yeah. So, so it sounds like you got a good well from which to pull. Right, right. Um, okay, so you have one book. Let's talk about that for a little while because I, okay. I'm interested to see where that leads to. And okay. uh, it's called it's called the Sunstrom, right? Sun, yeah. pronounce it how you pronounce it for me. Um, I pronounce it Sunstroms. Okay, Sunstroms. Okay. Yeah. And um, by the way, I looked for it like on Amazon. Do you sell through Amazon or just direct? Um, direct through the website. Um, Amazon will be coming later this year. Um, that's one of the um, the things that I have. You know coming this year, which is the Amazon and also uh, Barnes & Noble's online. Um, okay, but, so I'm going to go ahead and drop the link to your website in the chat room. And for those who are listening, picking this up later as a uh, as a uh, uh, podcast, um, okay. you, can, you can check it out at www.sunstromsnovel, S-U-N-S-T-R-O-M-S, novel.com. Okay, right. sunstromsnovel.com. And then there uh, on the home page there is a there is a link for buy the book if you're interested in it so people can pick it up. Right. Um yeah, but the the marketing part of being you know, this, these are things that I've said before to other people, but essentially when you write a book and you end up, you know, you don't have a publisher right at the beginning, you basically right. become an entrepreneur. You become you 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 know, because it's a business then. You know, it's right. uh, so for you. Um, when, I'm, I'm sorry. When did you complete this? Dean, yeah, I'm here. I'm oh, here. Can I, you? I asked. Yeah. When did you When did you finish the book? When When Yeah. When When did When was it published? Okay, we we published in um in June of 2017. Okay, which isn't that long ago. That's less than a right. year. And um, and, oh, and how long did it take you to write it? By the way. Well, from the from the time we had the um, the comic book script finished, uh, we, the comic book script was finished in 2013, and 
And so I started writing the novel almost immediately after that. Um, But it took about six months to a year to do the actual publishing. So I wouldn't say it took from 2013 to 2017 to write it, but maybe 2013 to a little bit into 2016. Um, That's still still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, I I wrote my first book in 2001, you know, from February to November. It took nine months, but it didn't get published until 2009, you know, so it wasn't like I was editing that whole time, you know, because I had a regular job and stuff like that, life kept getting in the way of trying to find an agent, trying to do this, that, and the other thing. Finally, I had somebody who used to be an agent said, here, Go ahead. This is how you can self-publish. We'll pay for it and everything. And that's how right. I got my first book out there. But it wasn't like from 2000, you know, eight years. I wasn't writing for eight years. Um, you know, I was kind of surprised that it only took nine months. But I, I, I neglected everything else. For you, is writing a singular pursuit, you know, where you need to have your own quiet time, your own space, you know, uh, people not bothering you or or whatever. How? What's what? Tell us a little bit about your process. Um, I, I kind of developed my process as I went. Um, I think the first book took longer than my second one is going to take because I, I think I was developing that. Um, sure. Now I'm now I'm at a point where I realize I have to get a certain number of pages in on purpose. You know, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm at a point now where if I can do one page a day, I'm happy. If I can get two pages a day done, then then I'm very happy. You know, but but if I can hit those pages, you know, then that helps me out. Before, what I was doing was, you know, I'd say, well, I'm scheduling this time to write, and then I would try to knock out a huge chunk, which didn't always work. And then you know, you had days in between where I didn't get to write at all and so you know once i got a routine established you know things started to come a lot easier i i found the same exact same thing that you did um early on in the process you know i i wrote when i kind of felt like it and you know if i didn't feel like it i didn't push it and things like that but then i realized um that it's not you know i i and i joined writers groups and talked to other people and they would say uh, yeah, I'm writing a book, and I go, well, how long has Ed been working on it? Oh, eight, nine years, ten years, yeah. you know, uh, all my life or whatever. And then I, I started kind of listening to what they were talking about. And I said, well, okay, so what happens that what happens that keeps you from writing? And inevitably they would go, well, you know, there are just times when I don't feel like it. Right. And I thought, oh, that's the trap. So that's what I figured out on my own. Right. And right. Uh, and and so. What I did was, I'd say about a couple months into starting to write my first book, I turned it into a part-time job. So every night at 10, I started writing. And I would write till about, writing or editing till about 2 in the morning. So it was like a, a half-time, you know, a four-hour everyday job. And then that, that really, it didn't make me a better writer. It made me a more consistent writer, just exactly like you're talking about, where you have a goal of a page a day or two pages or whatever. 
I had that goal of spending a certain amount of time. And I think that, you know, I would never tell anybody else how to do it, but it seems right. to work for you and for me, you know, by, right. by regimenting the process. Um, as, as you're working on it, you know, are you, are you typing? Are you thinking of the action? Are you placing things, you know, according to your story arc? Um, you know what? What? What are you really doing when you're trying to knock out that one page, or are you really concentrated on getting the action on that page exactly perfect? Um, this is what I think I'm doing. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Um, what I'm trying to do is I normally get a a chunk of chapters outlined first. Um, okay. You know, maybe maybe ten or twelve. You know, and I don't push it further than that because, like, I want to make sure I get Act One. You know, the way it needs to be because if if that's not right, the rest of it is going to fall apart. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so I try to get those chapters outlined. Once if they're outlined, I can go back then and I can really write them. Um, if I don't have the chapters outlined, that's difficult for me you know, to just sit down and just start kind of freestyling it. You know, um, I'm not, I know I've, I've read a lot of writers' interviews where they talk about, you know, just sitting down to the keyboard and, you know, writing what comes to them. You know, for me, I have to have the outline. So um, I'll start writing from the outline. Um, art helps me a lot because I, if I draw the characters or I can draw environment, then it's easy for me to describe them. Um, and then, like you said, as far as getting the action on the page, exactly, um, I find that, you know, I try my best to get it on the page like I want it, but uh-huh. but to me that comes in the edit because once I get it on paper, then I can go back and I can shape it to make it exactly what I want after that. But I, I, okay. I guess sometimes you need some things down as placeholders so that when you do go back, you know, then you can fine tune it, and you know that dialogue that you wrote two weeks ago, and you thought it was great. You know, you can really punch it up and and make it um, and make it really resonate um, because you're able to look at what you do have, and then you can fine tune it. And you know, if you don't ever put it on paper, you can't do anything with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I I have this question because I have to do it this way, but I always figure out what the ending of a book is going to be, and then I craft the story to get to the ending. You yes. know, by, and, and putting in, you know, twists, turns, um, making it not obvious, making it not predictable, and trying to keep the action interesting so that the reader doesn't get bored or the reader wants to know what's happening next. Because I think the best compliment that I hear that I, that I appreciate for myself is when people go, man, I can't put it down because I want to know what's going to happen next. Right. And I think that, that that speaks to crafting a good story. Um, when you talk about perfecting what's on that page, it, it almost sounds like you edit as you go along. Is is that fair to say? Um, I used to. Um, and what I found out is 
is you can get bogged down in that and not make a lot of progress. You know, if you write three pages and edit three pages, you know, then the question is how long are you going to spend on the three pages, right? So I, I try to just throw editing out of my mind until I get a sufficient amount done that I feel like is good and, you know, good enough to go back and really edit. Um, I, 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 I'm very, you know, you and I have a very, very similar process because for me, because my mind works so much faster than my hands can type, right. I'm always concerned with getting the main action, the thrust of it on paper and then or, or typed in, and then later I can go back and refine it. Um, when I mentioned about uh, writing the ending or knowing the ending so I know where I'm going, you mentioned that you, you agreed with that. Is that kind of your process too? Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, it would drive me insane to try to do it any other way. I put it that way. Um, Dude, I, I have so I have so much respect for people who don't do it that way because right. obviously they can get a story done. But man, for the life of me, I I I can't I can't even understand how people do that. Let me yeah, write a story. I, I, but what's it going to be have, like? Well, I I'm not sure what the story's going to be like. Um, I haven't right. written it yet. Well, do you know what the ending's going to be? No, I have no idea. You know who the people are going to be or anything. I just have this one character who sounds interesting, and I'm going to go from there. And I'm sitting there flummoxed. I really, I am because man, I I could no more do that than than brain surgery. Although if we're on a deserted island and I'm the only one there, and you need brain surgery, you couldn't do much worse than me. So anyway, um, um, I read an, out on the same same note, you know, I read an interview by um, um, the writer named Mark Wade. He writes for um, DC Comic Wolf. Well, writes for Marvel now, and he talked about how. You know, one thing he does is challenge himself. You know, in every book, he would paint himself into a corner at the end of every book with a cliffhanger and didn't didn't have a clue about how the character was going to get out of it. And I was just thinking to myself, reading it like that would really like drive me crazy. And or you know, to to have that sitting in front of me every month and not have a clue of what I was planning on doing next. So so I'm like you. You know, I have to know the end. I have to know what the arc is going to look like for that character. I I did I did change it up. I'm doing a short story right now, where where I I deliberately created a situation that painted me into a corner, something that is impossible to get out of. And I like right. it for several reasons. One is I I like to defy conventional wisdom, where you go to every writing class and they go, oh, all the plots have been done. There there's nothing new out out there at all. You know, everything's been done. You know, you can do variations on a theme, but but you're never going to come up with a plot. So I did that for a whole trilogy. Um, can you still hear me, Gene? Yeah, I can hear you now. You you were kind okay, of going yeah. in and out. Oh, okay. So so one of the things that I did was I'm doing a short story right now that that I started out with an almost impossible way to get out of it. You know, it, it has to do with people being uncontrollably telepathic. Okay. Which would be the worst thing in the world where, you know, no matter where you went, you could hear your thoughts, you could hear their thoughts, and there was no control over it. You couldn't block them out. You couldn't, you know, keep people from reading the secrets or anything else. And that was my premise. Now I have to figure out uh, a way to 
write my way out of it. And I think I have, you know, it's on my screen now. So, yeah, I, I, I do want, you know, I understand his wanting to do that because that also keeps people coming back to the next comic book, you know, to see how so-and-so got out of, you know, they come back same bat time, same bat channel to see how they got right. out of that cliffhanger, you know? Right. right. Like like you say, I have so much respect for people that can do that, you know, but like, you know, especially for, especially for a novel, like I have to, I have to visualize that final scene and then I can say, oh, okay, I can, I can see how I can get there. Um, so I'm I'm sorry. It sounded like I, my my audio must have been breaking up. I want to apologize to people. Okay. Can people can people hear me now? You can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. So anyway, um, okay. So you, tell us a little bit about the plot of your first okay. book because you you sound like you've already kind of clued in on the fact that you're going to have a second one. Is second, yes. Let me just ask this real quick. Is the second one going to be a continuation of the first one? Yes. Yes, most definitely. Um, the Sundstroms is about a, a superhero family. Um, family was, was one of the things I really wanted to work with with the story, so I created a mom, a dad, and the kids. Um, everybody is, you know, 13 and over. Um, there's an older son named Sam who has just looked at this superhero um, life and just said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with it. He's got superpowers. He's super strong, super durable, but he has gotten a job at a corporation um, called Sapien Rex, and they're basically using him to probe these new dimensions that they're finding with, at this um, science corporation. And um, so while he's off, Mom and Dad are the the heroes and the the um the upper echelon of the hero community, um, very respected. And Mom and Dad pass away. Um, Sam then is forced to come home and form a team out of his siblings in order to, to take over where Mom and Dad left off. And and so you get into legacy, you get into um, inheritance. Uh, you also get into are there any secrets that are going to be revealed by those deaths that you know, the kids are going to have to deal with at, at some point in time? Because um, a lot of times when people have secrets, you know, and they die, then things start coming out that you weren't expecting. So there's a lot of that. There's also um, some cosmic conspiracy. There's some super villains. There's a team that calls themselves headhunters and they hunt heroes for a living. Um, they take contracts, and that's part of the story as well. Wow. And and this is a creative universe that you've been thinking about for a while, right? Yes. And, and then now it sounds to me like you've got a great setup with enough, uh, enough characters, enough different things going on that you could extend this out for several volumes. Do you have um do you have a set number of, you know, sequels that you're going to be applying? Um, yes, I have 
I have um, several. I don't. I'm not gonna call them outlines, but um, I have you know a sheet per per book that you know gives me the the main the main beats and arcs that are gonna happen. I, at least I know what's gonna happen to each character as the novel series goes on. Um, and and then is this the only creative universe that you're going to be working in? Um, no, um, I've got something else planned as well. Um, uh, that one will have it's, it's going to be centered around um, superheroes as well, but I want to do it a little differently. And I've got an idea to kind of do something with short stories. Um, with that um, in the same volume, I wanted to create something that's almost like um, an album where you know. You have different songs, but they may they may have a theme that that unifies them, things like that. I want to do that with a um, group of short stories, so um, I'm slowly outlining that. And then now, now that you're doing this, it sounds to me are are you like a singular author? Do you have uh, people who help you with your with your story? You know, who might you know like beta readers or you know, for me, it used to be friends, but they don't answer the phone anymore if it's after 10 <laughs> o'clock because they know why I'm calling them. Um, you know, how how do you refine your story? How do you edit it down? How do you check it for, you know, whether it's effective storytelling or, you know, along those lines? Um, I've got two very close friends that, that are also writers, and we just always read each other's stories. Um, a lot of, you know, we pitch stories to each other all the time and, you know, have done that for years. Um, and, you know, I, they've been a blessing because, you know, they're not, they're not guys that are going to sit there and tell you something good, you know, just cause you say, it. you know, you know, they, you know, they're very, very honest, you know, and they also give a lot of good feedback, you know, what, what if you did this, what if you did that? Um, and so, I love being around creative people because it, it keeps me going. If I if I didn't have creative people to talk to, you know, I don't I don't think I would be as excited sometimes because sometimes you you do hit that that point where it's like you know you're not as excited creatively as you were the day before. But if you can you can text somebody and say, hey, what about this idea? And you start spitballing and and it you know it kind of grows and you know you get you get hyped up again to do it. So. That that's kind of how I how I gauge what's good and what's not, and you know, of course, they use me the same way. Now, you know, you how how many people live in the town you're in by chance? Um, that's a good question. Um, it's not a it's not a huge um, huge town, but it is a um, it is a military town. Uh, we have um, Seymour Johnson Air Force Base here. So, I mean, go ahead. Well, the reason why I ask is, I mean, do you do you have local people that you can network with, or or are these people who helped you out? Um, are they online? Um, you know how how does that work? Because at first well, I yes. used to I used go to ahead. join every write I used to join every writers group I could think of here in Chicago, but they most of them turned out to be a waste of time. So now I've got got it refined down to you know, about a dozen people who I rely on to help me out. Right, um, right. 
how does that work for you? Um, uh, well, I'm I'm kind of lucky in that sense because um, even though it's a couple cities away, you know, in, in you know North Carolina, the cities are pretty close, and you know they they're right here, you know, a few miles down the road. Um, we talk on the phone or, or text, but you know we're relatively close. You know, maybe maybe thirty miles or so apart. So you know, it's nothing to you know, you know, to say, hey, you know, you want to meet at Books a Million today, and and just you know sit down and just kind of knock some stories out, or you know, just kind of toss some ideas around. Yeah. Now you mentioned before that you kind of were you looking at a comic book form format for yeah. your 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 initial story. Yes. Did I hear that? And and have are you thinking about going transmedia, you know, having your creative universe in several different mediums, you know, comic book, novel, maybe graphic novel, maybe even uh, animated or, or what have you. Um, what's, what are you looking at long term in terms of exploiting your intellectual property? Um, long term, I'm looking at um, all the avenues you just named. Um, Right now, I'm focused on the novel series for one because part of the reason I did a novel was because I wanted to to really push reading and literacy. Um, I, I'm big on that as a as an English reading teacher. You know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of kids that one one reason they don't read is because they don't see things that they that they really um, are would gravitate towards in the classroom. Um, mm-hmm. So, and so I'm I'm trying to create some content that I would have enjoyed at 13 or 14 years old, um, and and also put my stories into it. Um, and so that's that's where the novel series idea came from. But at the same time, you know, I do love comics with a passion, and you know, I would I would definitely love to get into that genre. Um, I'm doing all the writing and all the art right now and and all the marketing and everything else myself at this point. So, you know, we're going to get there, but, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's I would say that unless you're very, very lucky to run into somebody who has an affinity for what it is you're doing, that's usually how it is at the very beginning. Um, right. And, and, and that, that almost can't be helped, but eventually, you know, there's there's got to be places, well, okay, so maybe you get an inker, and then maybe you get a colorist, and then, right. you know, you, you start, you just you maintain the quality control over the story itself. Um, I, You know, there's there's all kinds of ways to go about it that are organic and, mm-hmm. and seem to work well. It, it just sounds like you're kind of at the very beginning of, of putting that process together. Um, yes. So let's, let's you know, normally I ask this later, but I'm, I'm kind of curious now. You know, since you mentioned that you're looking at all of those options, um, where, where do you think you're going to be, let's say, five years down the line? Um, well, I can I can talk about uh, the next couple of projects. Um, the the second Sunstrom's novel, that's the, the next thing I want to get out. Um, and then... Once I once I get that one done, then I will look at whether or not I'm going to do the third or 
actually move into that that short story project that I talked to you about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that's kind of where I want to be around that time frame. I want to be able to, um, in five years, I want to be able to at least have um, a very good library of, of stories, of content to draw from. Cool. And, and so, um, oh, man, I had a great question. It just flew out of my head. Uh, this, uh, by the way, this is what happens when you get old. <laughs> and, stuff. and and also, I'm sitting here trying to find a comfortable way to sit. My back went out on one side a couple oh, days man. ago. And, it's like, and, and so a couple times I almost busted out the F word when I turned the wrong way. But, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, and now when you talk about, oh, man, I can't, I just can't get it back. It'll come. Anyway, let's, let's, uh, we'll just move ahead. Now, when okay. you talk about, you know, the, the kinds of things that you're going to do five years from now, do you, you see yourself as a, a larger concern, you know, like a bigger company? Do, you know, will you have other people to help take some of that load off of you? Um, and and do you think you're going to play well with others? Some people do, some people don't. Um, what what's your feeling about how you you're going to be with kind of sharing your intellectual property with other people? Um, well, um, first question. Um, that's always been the plan is to you know finally get to a point where I'm not having to do everything. Um, I was right. I was telling my wife, I was telling my wife the other day. You know, you know. I didn't realize that, you know, maintaining a, you know, a social media presence was that much of a job, but it is. So, you know, you write a little bit, you know, and then I get on the drawing table and do some, and then, you know, you know, then you're sitting there trying to, you know, to get your social media stuff out, you know, so there are a lot of different things that, you know, that you have to do and then maintaining um, the things for the, the tables and booths, you know, for the conventions that we're doing, you know, so there's, there's a lot of different, you know, things going on. And, you know, and I will give a shout out, you know, my wife, Tamisha, you know, does a great job handling some of the management things, you know, because I would not be able to do it without her. So, but as far as playing well with others, of course, you know, I'm the type of person that, you know, I love the creative process so much that I, you know, I love being in a room with other creative people, you know, and, and sure. making things. But, you know, so that's just my personality. You know, I've always, always done that. I remember being in middle school, you know, with a bunch of guys at, at a table, you know, and drawing characters and passing them back and forth. And we would, we would write these little bios like they had on the back of the, um, that was one thing I loved about um, the G.I. Joe action figures back in the 80s. You know, they all came with a with a card with the information on it on the back. You cut it out and collect it. You know, so we would create those types of things. And so that it, it does sound fun. You know, sitting around doing that. Um, you know, right now you're obviously you're you're busy doing your own work and, and putting together your own creative thing. Um, do you have any time at all for you know recreational reading anymore, or you know, because I figure as a teacher. You've got all of that you have to deal with and, right. uh, you know, grading homework and things like that for eighth graders. But do you have any time right now for your own recreational reading? Because what I'm getting at is are there are there people out there now producing 
works, written works, comics, what have you, who are influencers or people that you enjoy currently? Yes. Um, I, I keep a stack of comics. Um, now, I do have some graphic novels that I have accumulated and have not read, but um, I have, you know, I, I have my pull list at the comic shop, and, you know, I, I'm going through a stack of comics all the time. Um, so there are definitely a lot of things that, that I'm reading. Um, I'm a fan of um, of Grant Morrison. Um, I just got finished reading some um, some Scott's. Scott Snyder's um, Batman um, just got finished with actually, and, and even though this came out a long time ago, I had never read um, Frank Miller's Daredevil run, and, and I got through that and really enjoyed it. Um, so, so I'm always, you know, reading and it's definitely comics and the the science fiction and, and superhero genre. Just um, finding my favorite writers and reading their stuff, and you know, seeing what they're doing. And, and when you when you read, are you also looking for ideas or look looking at how other people structure their work, you know, to make what you're doing? I mean, what what what's going on in your head while you're checking out other people? Um, one thing I'm a big fan of is is voice. When you get into when you get into superhero comics, um, a lot of times the characters have been around for years and They've had a lot of different creators on those books over the years, and I love it when someone is able to to bring their perspective and their voice to that particular book. And for example, you know, like you know, somebody takes Batman, and yes, he's Batman, and the, and the creator is able to make him sound like Batman and act like Batman, but also you get a unique perspective because you have a writer with a unique perspective. And that mm-hmm. is, what, and that's what I love is when somebody is able to put their unique spin and voice on a character that's been around for years. And and for you, you know, do you get any? I mean, are you also looking in terms of, you know, improvement for yourself or better storytelling or things like that? I think we all are as creatives. Um, uh-huh. I don't think anybody starts out writing and then says, oh, I'm I'm as good as I'm ever going to get. I don't have to look at any improvement. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to improve. Um, there, I'm always looking at what writers are doing with structure, like you said. I'm always looking for um, what writers are doing with dialogue, um, a voice, um, making, making sure that every character is, you know, sounds unique. You know, because you can get into you can get into um, writing characters and everybody sounds the same. You know, but being able to to actually have everybody have a unique voice that's that's something that I work on. Um, mm-hmm. I work on description, being able to you know describe things in a way that I that even I may not have done it that way before. You know, so so that you don't you don't get into a rut. Um, so. Yeah, we're we're always looking for ways to to make things better and and to make things you know more exciting. Yeah, yeah. And and what what age group are you writing for? Are you writing for you know like uh, about the age group of kids you're teaching? Um. Yeah. I, my my kids are like thirteen and fourteen, and I found that for comics anyway, 
uh, especially superheroes, unless you're purposely doing something that is like mature readers, you know, I found that 13 to 14 is, is kind of where I like to hit. And if you can, if you can hit 13 to 14, but then actually layer the story so that it still works for adults. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the sweet spot that I aim for. You know, I want you to be able to enjoy it as a teenager, but if you read it and you're 30, you're still getting something out of it. Yeah. Um, okay, so you talk about your your arc, and we talked about, you know, how, how many volumes you thought you'd probably get out of this, this first creative universe. Um, have you done an outline of where things are going to go, what kind of characters they come and go, um, who's going to do what to whom and things like that, or or is your is your process a little more organic and in the moment? Um, a little bit of both. I do know where everything is going, and I do know mm-hmm. I do know who does what to whom and what characters are going to come in and out. But the road there may change, and it it can shift. Um, but we'll get there. But you know, it's not necessarily set in stone how we're going to get there. Okay, and and what kinds of things are going to affect that? Well, let me ask you this. Um, Even though your novel has only been out for less than a year, have you gotten any kind of feedback on it? Yes. um, I've gotten a lot of feedback on it. A lot of people have liked it. Um, One of the things about this book is it's very character-driven. There's a lot of action, of course. There's a lot of superhero stuff. You know, there's a lot of um, crazy science fiction and crazy science and, you know, things that are just, you know, wild ideas. But um, it's the family aspect with those characters that, that people really that really enjoy. And once they get into those characters, then those other things that I just mentioned uh, with the with the science and the superheroes, then sure. they then they enjoy those things. But they really like the the characters and how the how the brothers and, and, and their sister, how they you know, how they talk to one another, how they how they interact and sometimes argue and don't get along, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I suspect it is, but I'm, I still would like to hear your perspective. Um, it, it sounds as though most of your characters are characters of color. Are they mostly black? Yes. This is a, and, um, it's a, it's a black family. So, yeah. And, and so was that, done with the notion of having having characters that are important to you know kids of color black black children um having something to speak of themselves in the superhero um format um of course yes and um that was that was a a big part of it was that i wanted to have that representation out there and have it be visual and i think that's where the art comes in is i I wanted you to be able to see that you know and not and not have the story be about that you know um it was important to me that you could see okay this is a this is a black american family of superheroes you know but i also wanted them to be superheroes 
you know, so it wasn't like, you know, this is a story about, you know, they're not, they're not always, you know, necessarily talking about that. But, you know, when you see them, you know that they're a black American family. And you also um, see the fact that they're respected and, and they get the job done and they are very confident. And that I think that was important for, for kids to be able to see. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people say that. And then, you know, let's talk about the larger culture that we're all living in. You know, we've seen the success of a lot of black, I don't want to call them just movies, but television shows, black art, black entertainment. Right. And, And for you, how do you see that impacting you know, let's let's talk about the last two big ones. You know, we've got um, well three, and one of them's not even black. But we have um, we have Black Panther, right? Which I I think works on so many subconscious levels that people are not even realizing that what they're responding right. to is, That's right. is they're responding to um, the nobility and the dignity of a the storytelling and b all of the characters, including villains. Um, right. That's right. And so I think I think that that's one of the reasons why that's been resonating so much with people. And then you you know you have some earlier successes like Luke Cage, and and how popular it was. You know, popular enough that Netflix was broken for three days, two days while while people from all over the world were downloading it again. That was a comic book vehicle or a comic book character, but still in all, you know, it was it was still a black character. Right. When you look at our larger culture, do you think that we're turning the corner on exclusion by Hollywood, or do you think that we have a couple of outliers that have really been been very, very successful and it's still gonna take a big push to keep that going, even though Hollywood knows that that properties, movies with very very diverse casts make more money, you, know, you still see the constant whitewashing of of um, properties that already exist that have been optioned for movies and television. How do you see that? Uh, um, that that's a difficult one, but um, I have to say, well, I at least hope that we're we're turning the corner. Um, one of the things about, um, executives is, you know, some, you know, they get into a thing where, you know, they're always looking at what made money in the past and, and, and don't, you know, want to step out there and go away from it. And if you can always point to, well, this type of movie never made money in the past, then, you know, you never go forward. So hopefully, um, with Black Panther and and Luke Cage and, and even the success of um, Black Lightning on CW, um, you'll be able to see more people willing to to step out there and say, hey, you know, you can you can make a make a great return on on these types of characters. Yeah, and then and then what you know, in terms of your art, how how do you market? You know. Um, do you have a marketing plan that kind of pushes us out to, to black preteens and teens? 
Um, that's that's part of what this year is about. Um, over the summer, we were about you know getting the book you know just published and and starting to we we really kind of put our foot in the water on just doing on doing shows um, here and there. Now we've kind of put together a a plan where we're picking certain um, outlets on purpose. Um, we're, we're picking certain shows. To go to and and like I said, um, the Amazon and and uh, Barnes and Noble is coming next. Um, so we're we're in the process now of really figuring out okay how can we get our book to the people who are going to be our audience. Uh, so I think that's that's a work in progress, but but we're getting there and there and there's a plan in place. Well, I mean, marketing like that is always a moving target. Yeah, you know, is. because because things change, you know, as as culture changes, as right. you know, the hot thing comes and goes. Um, do you um, are do you attend any of these these conventions? You know, yeah. comic book conventions yeah. and things like that. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, but to be honest, I had never been to one as a fan. You know, I've always seen them online and you know i've always seen okay you know how exciting they looked from the outside looking in but um it's been a great experience i've i've enjoyed everyone i've been to so far um just meeting people and you know when you set your table up and getting to meet other people who are you know who have creative things to to show people and to share with people um I love that, and I also like talking to fans when they come to the table. Um, that's that's my favorite part. Um, when people come to your table and they actually start looking at art, and you start telling them about your story, and and they they start you know getting interested in it and, and asking you questions. Um, that that part I just absolutely love. And and the kind of you know have you are you at the point now where people are coming back with purchase, you know, your book and come back and let you know this was great, this my kids like this, or or are you still too new at being less than a year out? Um, I think I think I'm a little new. Um I've had I've had a, a little bit of that, but not as much as I probably will, you know, over the next year or so once I start um doing, you know, repeat shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and do you participate on uh, in the Black Science Fiction Society dot com website? Um, I just got um, I just got my account going um, a few days ago, um, and I'm still I'm still uploading some some things some, some things on there. So I'm, I'm pretty new to the site. Well, one of the things I would recommend you do is when you are going to be at a convention, to place it place your appearance on the. Uh, events calendar, so people who do want to meet you, you know, they they might be able to see that you're going to be at such and such a place, such and such a time, and then they can actually run into you. Um, okay. So that's that's uh, that's a suggestion I have. In in terms of having, you know, this is good because you're very very new. In in terms of getting your first book out there, what what do you see as what what was the hardest part about executing that to get it published and ready and ready to go? 
Ah, the edit. That one, that one was, um, I wouldn't say it was difficult, but it was time consuming. And it was more time consuming than, than what I ever thought it would be. And that's just because it was my first experience with it. But, you know, I kind of yeah. know what to expect. I, I kind of know what to expect now, but, you know, then, you know, I didn't realize how many times I would be going over the same text. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. I, I didn't um, realize how, how long I'd be going over the same text and how many times and, you know, and sending notes, getting notes back and forth from the publisher and, you know, and, you know, approving the cover and saying, no, this is right. You know, that's, that's wrong. You know, let's, let's do it this way. You know, so that, that was a process. Right. Um, and then, uh, what, I mean, what, what were the, you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of curious, you know, for you, okay, the editing process, you know, obviously was difficult for you. And especially because it's your first book, because you don't, Exactly. Know what to expect. Right. In, ter- in terms of, you know, this first book, were you surprised that any parts were easier than you thought were going to be? Hmm. Any parts that were easier? Um. I tell you what. Um. The the launch was a lot easier than what I thought it would be, which it sounds sounds odd, but. I got a ton of support from from my middle school, and we did my first book signing in the in the library at my school, and and my teammates and you know my my fellow teachers and staff members. I mean, they really they really came out and and supported the book, and and we sold out of my first you know my first batch the first day, um, and so that that really that really kind of catapulted me into where I am now is because, you know, those, those people came together and, you know, we had a marketing plan before the book came out where we created t-shirts with the characters on them and everybody came out and, and bought shirts. And when it came to the launch, everybody had their shirts on and I signed books and art prints that day. And so they really pushed me out, you know, and, you know, and said, you know, we support you. And so that was great. It, it it really helps having a support system like that and having people enthusiastic around you to help you push you forward, doesn't it? It does. It really and does. What about and what about your your students? Are any of them maybe oh I don't know inclined to follow in your footsteps? Have any of them said anything? Well, I, I'll tell you this. Um, I have a few students who who are, are writers and, you know, and have, you know, writings of their own. And I'm always the one that they'll come to and, and show things um, because they, they know, they know what I do. And so they'll say, Hey, will you look at this and, and tell me what you think? You know, and I, I think that that speaks volumes and, you know, I actually enjoy that. Man, that sounds great. Um, and then will you, I mean, are you, it sounds like you're enjoying the mentoring role, right? Yes, yes, most definitely. And and have you do any extracurriculars that are aimed at helping kids develop their own writing skills, maybe even their own art? 
Um, we had a um, we had a project based learning group um, last year um, where myself and the art teacher got together, and at the end of the day, uh, for about forty five minutes, we had a group that would come in and, and work on comics. Um, they had they had supplies and got them some some paper that they could do layouts on, and you know we would work on. Um, character creation and, you know, creating, how do you create bios and how do you create, you know, a basic outline for a story and things like that. So that, that was pretty fun last year. And, and um, do you think this is something that you might do in the future, maybe start an art class, college, what have you? I'm, uh, is this something that you think you're going to expand on in the future? Um, I would love to. Um, if the if the school day would, would allow for it, um, you know, so, sometimes, you know, you can do things and sometimes you can't depending on what the schedule is like. Um, but, you know, definitely something I would love to do, especially if, you know, you have some kids that are definitely interested in it and, you know, and want to put everything they have into it. You know, I would love to work with kids like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of, I, I don't do that yet, but I'm, I kind of want to, um, but then, of course, that means I have to leave my house and go where all those kid germs are. So I got to see if you're able to stop that. <laughs> oh, man, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, when I had my first child, you know, uh, because my wife and I both work, we put her in daycare. So she brought home every germ from every kid, you know, in wow. daycare. And for like the first year, I was just sick as a dog. I was just sick all the time. I was miserable. But then. What she did was she pumped up my immune system. I used mm-hmm. to get walking pneumonia every other year. I used to get colds, flu, what have you. And, you know, since since the mid-'90s, I've had the flu once and a couple colds, and that's it. Mm. So as miserable as I was that first year, but I still, you know, I worked in the school for a while, and I was always paranoid about, you know, the kids giving me drugs. <laughs> I, I admit that. Um, yeah. For you, what's 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 the most fun part of you creating your your stuff? You know, it seems like I mean, since you've been thinking about it for so damn long, you know, you right. had in your mind for so long. You know what? Where, where's the joy for you? Because there's got to be joy, otherwise, you're doing it, correct? That's right. Um, um, goes back to that the world building thing I was talking about. That that part is the most fun to me. Um, yeah. Creating um, histories and creating secrets and and character connections. You know, how is this person created? To, I mean, how is this person um, connected to this person? Uh, what is their history together? Um, what's going to happen to them um, in the future? And creating the timelines for people. You know, so. All of that is is a lot of fun for me. And and as you're as you're going along, do you do you share your progress with people? You know, with like the guys you talked about before, is is it kind of like an ongoing process, and they help you refine your story? Well, um, what we'll do is a lot of times, you know, I'll come up with something for a character. You know, maybe a a backstory and I'll, you know, I'll share it uh, with one of the guys just to get their feedback on it. Um, 
like sometimes, you know, it'll be like, hey, that that sounds awesome, or it'll be, you know, what if you add this to it? Um, so that that really, like I said before, that that really keeps me going. Um, but but yeah, that that's the most fun part about it to me is just creating this this whole world. And I and I think you know one of the things is I'm very interested in in human nature and in um, what makes people tick and why do people do the things that they do and you know and so why is the world the way it is you know and the relationships between people the relationships between governments and people and all these types of things and so I'm always interested in how the world really works in in real life and trying to mirror that in fiction. Okay. And, and you know, do you, you know, a lot of people look at the people around them. You know, they look at their family, they look at their friends, you know, like, you know, if they're in the airport, they're watching people in the airport. You know, how, how is it that you put your characters together? Are they, are they composite with people you already know, or are you creating them out of whole cloth? You know, what's your process for creating compelling characters? Um, sometimes it's out of whole cloth. Um, sometimes it's like the, the family I created for the Sunstroms, I realized early on, you know, that I'm a dad, I'm a husband, and I'm also a son. I've been a kid. I've been in a, I've been a teenager. I've been an adult. And so inevitably I was able to kind of to put a lot of those experiences into those characters as far as the relationships you have with people at those different stages. And so that kind of informed how I allow these characters to interact. And, you know, that, see, now that makes, that makes sense when you think about conventional wisdom where in, in writing class uh, uh, an instructor will tell you, well, just so that you know, in every one of your characters, you're really putting part of you in it. Right. Because you're the, be- you're the best person that you know, you know? Right. That's right. And, and so and I, I try to come at it differently. I try to put together characters that, that, are, that are unique, that they're mm-hmm. not like me at all. And I don't know if I'm successful at doing that or not, but, you know, I managed to put together some pretty decently compelling characters. Uh-huh. But I, you know, I, I always worry about that because one of the things that, that I, I think is always in the back of my mind and is always something that I, I think about is, is my writing compelling and not predictable? You right. know, I don't want it to be predictable. I don't want people to go, oh, man, this is just another, this is another XYZ character who's just like that other XYZ character who's like that other XYZ character, you know, this is really boring writing. I don't I don't ever want to get to that point. So right, I think right. I agonize over that a lot. Um, what are some of the things that you worry about when you're writing? Um that 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 you just said. Um, <laughs> um I I worry about that. Um I worry about um I worry about repeating myself, um, either with um, character types or right. repeating myself with um, with uh, events 
that that happened. I, I don't want to do the same thing over. I want to make sure, you know, it's like as I'm as I'm writing the next Sunstrom book, I'm trying to make sure that, you know, the the conflict is different than the conflict in this first one. Um, and so, yeah, th- those are the kind of things I worry about. You mean you don't you don't want to do like the entire Alien franchise where it's the same plot in every single movie? Right. Right. The aliens, the aliens get out, then they start chasing you around. Then when you think you got away, one of them's really on the ship with you. And yeah, it, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, and and I think there's there's also a certain amount of challenge to try to put together something that's fairly unique or something that's not so, you know, so overdone that you're just another in a row of, in a long line of people who use that same trick. Um, right. For you, as as a teacher, and and having read, you know, have you read a lot of science fiction? Yes. And and so you have kind of like a, a, a mental library of what's gone on before, right? That's right. And and that it, it is that it sounds to me like it's very important for you to do unique plots. How how do you think of something that you haven't read about before? Do you have it's a not, process? Well, to me it's not about something that you that you haven't read about before. It's about finding finding a new angle for it. Um it's it's very difficult for me to, to sit here and, and think of anything that hasn't been written about. For example, you know there's probably a million survival stories out there, but you 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 look at setting, you look at um, where is this going to take place, you look at um, who is the character that's involved in it. You know what is that? How can you change what that character wants out of this so that it's not something that we've seen before? You know, so. Um, so some you know a lot of times you know it's not necessarily that you're trying to create this you know totally new situation that nobody's ever been in it's about getting a new element in there or getting um something new that changes the entire dynamic mhm mhm sometimes even that's hard though yeah, it is and, and like you know don't get me wrong it's not like I'm not sitting here telling you it's easy either you know <laughs> so but, but it's you know that's the, that's the challenge you just talked about is you know that's the challenging part is just to sit there and say you know, you know what can I what can I do to to make this different and I and I think you know being character driven is 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 definitely part of the key. It's, I'm not gonna say it's the whole key, but you know that's that's part of it is making sure if you come up with unique characters, then the situation is gonna definitely be different just because of that, because the person involved is different. He's going to react or she's going to react in a way that we haven't seen before um, because he or she is going to want something different. You know, their goals are going to be different. Yeah, uh, you know, um, someone in the chat room says there's nothing new under the sun. And there, I, I, can't, I can't exactly agree with that, but I will say this, you know, I wrote, I wrote my first novel in 2001. Okay. Right. And there are elements in black Panther 
that are similar to my my novel. You know, a right. group of of African Americans who who have advanced technology and who are unwilling to share it with everybody else for fear of their technology being abused or used against them. Right. You know, and 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 other elements. And then there are other elements that are different. So I, I suppose the elements, if you're going to deal with the human race, you're going to deal with the human condition, and you're going to deal with human desires and uh, foibles, then probably it's true that there's nothing new under the sun because you would have to create something that was entirely alien in order to, to I guess, put together a representation of something that's brand new. Um, I, I don't know... I, you know, I, I don't know about how to go about that process. I do know that for me, I try I try to put together something that's never been done before, that I haven't read. And I've read right. thousands and thousands and thousands of books and stories. So fortunately, I have kind of like, you know, a library, you know, a, uh, in, I don't want to say an encyclopedic memory, but I have a fairly extensive memory of everything that I've read. And then when I think of something unique, then I go, oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, no, no. So-and-so did that, that, you know, a flavor of that. And it, it does keep me honest, and it keeps me, you know, trying to do something unique all the time. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, but I will uh, – do you – anyway, my, the premise for, for my work right now, my major work right now, is that black folks have been secretly living on the backside of the moon before Neil Armstrong got there, and then they get discovered. Okay. Yeah, so I I hadn't seen anything like that before. Right. Um, and and that was that was one of the reasons why it was so important for me to because that's the other thing that kind of you know ticks me off is people people in writing classes, even even English teachers, you know, or, or writing mm-hmm. teachers, saying, oh, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's all been done, you know. And and so it, it, I think in a way they could say that in a different way that would be more encouraging to students, you know, to people who are genuinely trying to do something rather yeah, than... But... I, I think the... I guess I always I always took that not as not as discouragement, but to you know to let to to let students see you know the connections between the things that they're they're watching on television and 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 the things that they're reading. Um, even I guess even even the story that that you're, that you're you're talking about, you know it you know it's new. It, the 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 location is new, you know what I'm saying, and the and the idea is new, but there there are some things there that that you that you see other places, you know, like you know, a love story is is a love story, and a survival story is a survival story, and a story of a fish out of water story is a fish out of water story, you know, it's not it's not that you're gonna come up with something different with those themes, those themes are going to remain the same, but who are those characters? Where is the story going to be set? 
Um, is there new, any different technology involved in it? You know, those are the things that make it new. And and like you said, you know, you don't want to you don't want to make kids feel that they can't do anything different because of course you can, you know. But you also need to be able to recognize, okay, if you look at this this movie you watched on television and you look at um, this book that we're reading for class, I want you to understand that the motif that's being used here or the theme that's being used here, those are the same ideas about, like you said, the human condition. Yeah, and, and then, you know, sometimes it's not a bad thing. I mean, every one of those alien movies made money. You know, <laughs> right. they made enough mo- Well, and they made enough money to not only do more movies but bring, you know, bring the characters back even they, after they've been killed and things like that. So that, I, I guess that there there's probably something to be said about familiarity. You don't want things to be too terribly different. Right. Because when when they're too terribly different, people get, you know, the viewer gets uncomfortable or the reader gets uncomfortable because it doesn't fit known, you know, the something that they're familiar with. I I right. I remember I remember reading when Pierce Anthony did his book Firefly and it was about there there were some disturbing sexual connotations in there. And, mm-hmm. and there are people who obviously don't deal well with the subject anyway, and right. they happen to feel that if you mention it, oh, you must be endorsing it. And, right. and let me give, let me give you a good example of how that works. Okay. Um, when I did when I did some stand up, sometimes if I wasn't sure what the room was like and what the people were like in the room, especially mm-hmm. if I was in you know in a city or a town that I'd never been in. I would start out with a joke, and I would tell them at the beginning, I'm going to tell this joke, and this joke is going to allow me to understand exactly who you are as people so that I can put on the best show that you've ever heard. And right. so, of course, you know, that's, that's the setup. So here's the joke. A pedophile is walking into the woods with a five-year-old. See, immediately when you say that, people start making a judgment or thinking you're a bad person because somehow you're endorsing, you know, right. child abuse, which is not the case. It's a joke. It's a damn joke. And you have to remind them of that. Okay, so he's walking deeper and deeper into the woods. They they walk for, you know, uh, 15 minutes and it's getting darker and spookier and they, they get a, a half an hour into the woods and finally the five-year-old pulls on the uh, pedophile's jacket and says, I don't like it in here. It's getting too spooky. It's not, I'm getting scared. And the pedophile turns to the kid and says, you, I'm the one who's got to walk out of here by himself. Oh. <laughs> See, what? you laughed because you saw it was a joke. There are people who accuse me of endorsing child abuse or murder or some heinous thing merely because I told a joke. So that's the other thing that I think about when I'm writing. You know, I have to be careful, not because I want to write stuff like that, but also, you know, the the main thing in my mind is always kind of a running, you know, evaluation of how a reader is going to interpret what I wrote. And I I get nowhere near that territory. But, you know, stand-up, there are certain jokes you can tell, 
certain jokes you can't tell. You know, certain, you know, like uh, Gilbert Gottfried tried to make a 9-11 joke, like during uh, during Hugh Hefner's roast, which was, I think, less than a month after 9-11. And, you know, people are hollering too soon. You know, well, okay, yeah, there's the comedy equation is tragedy plus time equals comedy. But, you you know, that it, that time thing is a, is a variable. So, you know, for you, young adult, writing in the young adult field, obviously you, you kind of have a good handle on what is appropriate, you know, right. for the, the, the 12 to 18-year-old mind. Um, it, was that, is that an easy level for you to write? I mean, are you comfortable in there? Is that, is that an easy way for, you know, an easy place for you to work? Yeah, um, it, it actually is. I'm, I'm kind of, and, and I guess a lot of us are. You know, I've, I've kind of digested so much. Um, I guess PG thirteen material. I kind of know, I know where the line is, kind of intuitively, and yeah, and and so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a good spot for me to be, especially for my subject matter. Um, right. Like I said, you know, you can do you can do mature readers, superheroes and, you know, and I know how to do that, but for what I'm trying to do as far as, you know, getting that age group to read, um, then, you know, this is the perfect, perfect, um, tone, um, for what I'm trying to do. Well, and, and the other thing is you, you want it to be compelling and inspiring for that age group, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, because there's not, well, okay, there's more now. <clears throat> Let's just say in the past 10 years, we have a lot more um, black-themed comics, a, a lot more black-themed uh, graphic novels, and a, a, lot more, a, a lot more black-themed young adult and adult stories than we've ever had in the history of, of publishing. So this is kind of a cool thing that, that, that we're able to at least experience not a a surge of this kind of content. Um, when you when you look around your created space, you know the kind of the the genre you're in, the age group, and things like that. Um, what are you are 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 you looking at your competition? Are you you know how how are you evaluating where you exist in that space? Um, I don't really I don't really do the competition thing you know it's, it's more of a to me it's if I'm competing against anybody it's myself and just making sure that I'm telling a good story you know I you know I read like I like we talked about before I read all the time you know I have you know a goal in mind of what what a good story is and uh-huh and what's going to what's going to make that story compelling, and what's going to make it resonate? Um, a lot of what 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 I like to read. I have I have a certain tone that I like to hit when it comes to science fiction, and when it comes okay. to when it comes to the weird element. And and if I can get those things in there, then then that's what I'm looking for. I really don't. I really try not to. You know, I like to look around and see what people are doing. But I don't like to compare myself with what they're doing because that's you, to me that you get into a trap that way, um, right? Where you're you're always trying to you're always second guessing 
He always, you know, because that competition is, is so strong. So I'm only competing against myself. I know what I want in the story, and if I can hit that, then then that's what's going to be released. And, and, and it sounds like you're pretty comfortable. Um, do you, you know, I know you run it by your, your, your buddies. Um, do you have any, any kids who take a look at your stuff before you set it in stone? I'm just curious. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say kids. Um, not, not before I release. Um, we're, I'm just, you know, I have, you know, just those those comic heads around me that love that love superheroes, you know, you know, I let them take a look at a chapter here and there as I'm writing. But um right. once once I get done, you know, then take a look at the manuscript and, you know, like I said, we bounce ideas off each other and those those are the, the people I really trust because we I trust their taste in writing. You know, I I've known them long enough, you know, and we you know, the things that they read, you know, are very strong. You know, we we read a lot of the, you know, the authors that we really like. And so when when we can get to the point where we trust each other's judgment because I know that this guy, you know, he reads some strong stuff, so it's not like he's, you know, not well read. And so, right. you know, you know, so it's a it's a trust factor. I trust their judgment, and so, like I said, it's a blessing to have people like that. No, it, it does sound like you have a really good process that you go through. Um, okay, so we know where you're going. We know where you've been. Talk about where you're going to be. You know, probably five years down the line. I do have a question for you that I often ask people who were interested in branching out and having their works appear, you know, in that transmedia space where they've got writing, they've got animation, they've got this, that, and the other thing. What happens if somebody comes to you, like a, a studio like Sony or something like that, and says, we would like to buy your intellectual property and take it over? You know, have you given any thought to that process or that possibility yet? Um, I, I have, and and that's a um, that's that's something that we are, are looking at as far as you know. Every, periodically, I I start writing down um, I not ideas for stories, but ideas for for the brand and you know and what would happen if this happened and that happened, and so that's something that we're we're always discussing. You know, what do we do? You know if we wake up one morning and and we are in a bigger situation than we are now, you know, so you know, what would we like to do and and how would we go about um making certain things happen. So um it's not something that, that I can talk a lot about right now because, you know, of course we're not there. But, you know, we are pushing day by day to, to make sure that, you know, if some if some larger situations are able to happen that, that we'll be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I had a hiccup. Um, would that, I mean, that would be kind of cool if all of a sudden Sony decided to take take over and do a series of movies. Um, although, oftentimes when they get that that option, right, they don't 
they don't want the creators messing things up unless they think that the creator is essential to making making it work. You know what I right, mean? Right. You're only right. you're only as needed as much as you can make them money. I guess is the way it right. boils down to. Yeah, that's so right. So that would be kind of cool. Have you thought about maybe creating your own studio to do some of this? You know, in case you go animation or whatever. Um, like like I said, um, that's that's all in the that's all in the plan. You know, we we talked about everything from from that to to actually you know forming an, an art studio and you know and having and having other artists come in and actually work on the art part while I while I do primarily the writing. Um, and and so there, there's a lot of things that that we we talked about. Um, but like I said, you know at at this point in time, you know, the book hasn't been out, but, you know, almost a year, but not quite. And so, sure. you know, we're still in the stage of, you know, you know, I'm primarily um, the one doing everything. So um, there's, there's where you want to be and then there's where you are. So I guess that's what's best. Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing where you go. Um, for those who are, are listening or tuned in later, um, anyone interested in Gene's first book, you can go to www.sunstromsnovel.com to, uh, to pick up a copy or just hang out a little while longer, and uh, you're going to be putting it out Amazon and Barnes and Noble, you said, and maybe some yeah. other online, uh, other online uh, distributors. Um, yes. And then, when do you think? I mean, do you have a timeline for when the second novel may hit? Um, I'm about a third of the way through it, so um, I can't really give a timeline because, as as you talked about earlier, you know, you never know when those when those hiccups in the road are going to happen, but. Right now, I'm about a third of the way through. If I keep um, hitting pages like I like I have been, then then sometime next year. Okay, that's still pretty cool. And yeah. and again, tell people um, how many do you do you think you're going to have in this first series? Hello. I don't know. No, that was someone in Texas acting an ass. Wow. Okay. Um, um, how many novels? Um, right now we're looking at if everything goes to plan. Um, there's there's enough story for seven. That's pretty cool, man. That's a nice size series. And and how many words is this first one? I don't think I saw that. Uh, how many words? That, that's something I would have to look up for you because I, I know it's um, 220 pages. Oh, okay. No problem. All righty then. Um, are there any last thoughts you have? We're coming down to the last seven, eight minutes of the show. Okay. Um, any last thoughts? Um, um, the Sunstroms, um, the superhero family, um, they lose mom and dad. 
the oldest son is um, forced to come home and take over where the family left off. He has to get his brothers and his sister together and form a team um, to find out exactly why his parents were killed and and also um, to uncover some secrets that dad left behind dealing with um, space-time travel. So that's the that's the premise Talk of the book. That shit don't mean nothing to me, you or Hello? Yeah, no, I'm here. Okay. No, I'm here. Something else came in. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's the premise of the book. And um, most people who, who have read it have had very good feedback. Uh, people are very excited about the characters, especially uh, once they get to the end and see that um, that it does um, kind of launch the characters off into um, something that is going to take several, several books to tell. Um, it starts mm-hmm. off as a book. Starts off with a very simple story, but there are some there are some things that happen at the end with the the conspiracy that I've created that um that actually will launch everything going forward. So everybody enjoys a good surprise, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So that'll be cool. Um, we're about got about six minutes to go for those here. Uh, uh, Jarvis closed out the show. Jarvis is on the road right now. He's heading to uh, Atlanta for a uh, convention. And um, so he won't be closing out the show. But uh, what I want to do is I want to um, extend my thanks to people uh, who listen live and those up as a podcast. and. Uh, you know, those who support the show. The Black Science Fiction Society.com has a number of projects that are in progress. One is the, um, what do you call it, the, uh, the uh, Earth Squadron and a 3D animated movie, which is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a pretty cool project once it's done. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got some other things that are happening during the, I don't know exactly what they are. Let's see. For me, I'm going to be at Atlanta May 4th, 5th, and 6th for the Urban Nerd Convention, Urban Nerd Con. It's the first year that they're putting this together. It should be a lot of fun. There's some pretty cool guests who are going to be there. Um, oh, when's the next convention you're going to be at? Do you know? Um, the, yeah, the next convention will be um, – Oak City Comic Con in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'll be mm-hmm. there. Um, that's um, matter of fact. It is March the seventeenth and eighteenth. Okay. Um, after that's that, cool. I'll be I'll be um, Virginia Beach at Tidewater Comic Con on um, May the twelfth and thirteenth. Mhm. Mhm. Um, put those put those on the uh, on the event calendar. Uh, I on the site that way you know because sometimes people will go there on a weekend and look and see well, what's happening nearby or what what you know what's going on who might might i be able to see um i don't always you know i forget usually post where i'm going to be mostly because you know i i just don't want the police to know where i am you know i, I would just soon be a lot more anonymous than that plus i don't have that ankle bracelet off yet, so sometimes i got to be careful where I go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> see, 
Gene, it's been a pleasure, man. I have really enjoyed uh, enjoyed, enjoyed my time with you. I hope you um, I I hope you you have a very very successful time ahead of you. Thank um, you, thank you. You know, you we're gonna especially when you get that that next book out. Mm-hmm. Be sure to call Jarvis. Get get in touch with Jarvis. And get booked again. I don't book anybody. I just uh, I just do all the talking. Okay. But, and then that way you can tell us when your next um, your next your next big project comes out. And okay. for me, um, on a on a slightly uh, on a slightly personal uh, vein, um, I I just finished writing another trilogy. All three books are done. All three are edited for me. Now I need to have them edited by somebody else. So I did a GoFundMe appeal to mm-hmm. see if I can get people to do some, uh, some, give me a little bit of financial help. It hasn't been very successful. People tell me that doing books is the toughest thing on GoFundMe. I don't, I don't, I, and I have no idea. But uh, I, uh, I, this next trilogy I think is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be an extension. Of my first one, it'll have there uh, a bunch of characters that people will recognize. There'll be some new characters, and there'll be a lot more action. So if okay. anybody's interested in that, you know, or whoever, uh, I'll take a look at the GoFundMe. If you have a few buckets, you can toss into the hopper. That's great. It's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, trying to make people cough up money. Great if they did, fine. If not, also fine. Anyway, look, Gene, thank you very much. You're I welcome. Appreciate, I appreciate uh, you spending this time with us. Um, when Jarvis told you it was going to be two hours, were you were you uh, were you apprehensive? Um, actually, I didn't know it was two hours till right before, but but that was okay because um, I was excited about doing it when you know when he when he told me about it, so it didn't matter how long it was. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, sir, I want to wish you a a pleasant weekend ahead. I want to thank, let's see, uh, Aaron Michael, thank you for hanging the whole time. Guest number seven, who I think was guest number five before, thank you for coming on back. And uh, we will be back probably next week with another brand new show with a brand new guest. So, Gene, hold on for a minute. Don't hang up. And uh, when the show is over, and in the event that anybody has any last-minute questions for you in the, in the chat room, we can okay. have, have those answered, all right? All right. Okay, so thank you for being here, and everybody have a good rest of your evening. Good night. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Wow, that's weird. I hit the uh, I hit the button to end the show. Actually, it's not ending. So I'm going to terminate the show, which is going to cut us off. But uh, but thanks a lot, man. All right, you too. I appreciate all this. Okay, have a great weekend. Take care. You too. All right, bye bye. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.